Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Well, I worked so hard, I built, I mean, no, you didn't. Grace, the door was open, the choice was made, the decision. And so all of life is grace. Not only our redemption, our salvation, wherever we are in life, it's just by the grace of God. We haven't earned it, we haven't deserved it. Big, little, up or down makes no difference. It's all grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the acrostic. It's a gift. The truth is, changing the world requires upside-down living. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young shares proven truth to show the kind of Christians our world needs to see in the church today. That's coming up next as Dr. Young brings his message, Fools for Christ. Now, here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, Fools for Christ. Everybody says, what can I do? So many say, whoa, we have to stand up. What does that mean? Verbiage or action? We've already been studying 1 Corinthians We've already been looking at what Paul said in the first three chapters. Now, he's about to get with some big, big, burly, tough, moral problems. We're going to get there in chapter 5. And when we get there, most of us are going to say, that's in the Bible? So hold on. But right now, Paul is introducing the Corinthian church and reminding them of who they are and what they have. This is who you are, and this is what you have. That has been what we've been looking at. And then Paul comes to this great fourth chapter. Remind you, he's still trying to help these people, this church, to understand how they are to function in a totally corrupt society. Isn't that what you and I need to know? 
divine insight, divine commandments, divine ability to discern and walk through this world as men and women on God's team. He's telling us. Before he gets the specifics, he gets them some very, very general things. Chapter 4, Paul says that a man regard us, Christians, in this manner. In other words, this is how the world should look at us in the culture of the church. To regard you and regard me as we would Paul and Apollos in the church in Corinth. He says, as servants of Christ. Let's stop. That word servant is a pregnant word. What does that mean? It's a very important word. When I read the Bible and study it, I always look for pregnant words. Words that are going to grow and develop and multiply. Key words. Now, right up front, we have a pregnant word. It is the word service. I know that word. Maybe not. The real etymology means it, you are an under roar. Who am I in Christ? Who are you in Christ? Who are these Corinthians? They were under roars, and they had those big galleys, those Roman ships, and they'd have those slaves, and they would be down motivating that ship. Where Corinth was between the Aegean Sea and the Ionian Sea, that little isthmus that was there, that big international seaport, they had slaves that would row, and and he says, you don't know who you are? You're an under-roar. You're an under-roar. That's kind of describes who we are. And the Corinthians, man, they didn't like that. You mean we are under-roars? We're slaves and the master is mm, commanding us? That's who we are. That's who they were, a Christian. And he says, and a steward of the mysteries of God. A steward means someone who is, doesn't own everything, but is responsible for the whole household, is responsible for everything, a steward. And we are to be stewards. We're under roars. We're slave of Christ. But also we are those who are stewards who have responsibility and an accountability before God to handle that which we have been entrusted with, and that's the mystery of God. The Greek word mysterion. It's all the way through the Bible. The mystery. What is the mystery of God? It's the fact that God is the creator. It's the fact that there is the fall. It's the fact there is redemption. What's that all about? We have to understand that no human being would ever have figured out logically what we know is the truth of God. And to most people, that is a mystery. And we as under roars, as servants, as stewards of this mystery, we have to live it out and explain it. And that is that God, through thousands of years, Old Testament, working through his peculiar people and through events in history prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ who was God in human flesh, God-man in this world, his birth, his life, his teaching, his death, his resurrection, 
and is coming again to bring down the curtain of history. Now, that is the mystery that's in us that we should know we'd be able to share it very simply. We're responsible for that. The church, I say it once again, is the container, the container of the mystery of God because all of us are bodies and arms and feet and eyes and no one more important than the other. We are to share that mystery. It's been revealed to us and we reveal it to others. And then it says, Verse 2, and in this case, moreover, said Paul, is required of stewards and under rowers that one be found trustworthy. We're to be trustworthy. In other words, we are to be men and women of truth. If anything is on the table today in the 21st century culture, it is Truth. We are to be trustworthy, to speak the truth. We're called to do that as under rowers, as stewards of the mysteries of God, and we must do that in the 21st century. And then Paul goes on to say, too many people have a sunburn. Have you noticed that? Everybody seems to have a sunburn. Oh, don't touch me there. Oh, no, no, no. You have harmed me so deeply, I'll never recover. And we've, see, you touch somebody about anything, and oh, that upsets me, that offends me. And so we see everybody with this sunburn, and because we've got this sunburn, we judge everybody. Like the old antique joke that I love, the man went to the doctor, he said, Doc, when I touch my shoulder, oh, it hurts. When I touch my head, it's so painful. I touch my knee, it's painful. Doc, what's wrong with me? He looked, he said, you got a broken finger. I mean, it's not too hard. <laughs> I mean, my point is, we're so sensitive in our culture. We're all sunburned. I'm offended. I'm upset. You belittle me. And, and this is where we are. And here we have Paul talking to that day and to our day, say, you are all in the judgmental business. Judge not that you be not judged. Then he tells us who does indeed judge us. Look at it. It's beautiful. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, do not go on to pass judgment, the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light, oh, this is scary, the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of our hearts and then each person's praise will come to him from the Lord. There's going to be a judgment time. Absolutely. Romans 14, Corinthians 5, passage in Matthew. We're going to be a judgment time. Great white throne judgment. All that's in darkness will come to the light. How many of us look forward to that? 
Is that going to be a great day? Boy, I'm glad you know everything I've thought of, everything I've done in my life. Boy, it's going to be, oh, no, 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 no. Only God can judge. Now, on the side, to put it in context, isn't it beautiful that when we confess sin, turn from sin genuinely, and God is healed and forgiven, that's not going to be the agenda there. But God will go up and check our motives. Why did you give that? Why did you say that? Why did you talk about it? See, motive, that frightens me to death. You sit down by yourself and ask one question. What have I done in my life from a pure, pure, pure motive? Well, I, I love my wife. Well, was that pure? Did you have no? So my point is, motives are frightening, and only God knows the time of judgment. And he alone will reveal motives, and he'll take all that which we thought was done with and bring it out into the light. And all the sunburned folks that are walking around, that includes a lot of us, we have to understand that we're not in the judgment business. The world's judgment, self-judgment, only God can judge, and he's put that off, thank God. Now, the next thing Paul says is very, very interesting. He said, don't get ahead of your skis. That's how I get verse 6. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sake. What did Paul say here? Paul is saying he and Apollos were judged by the book that was written. That would be the Old Testament revelation. That would be the principles he laid out for the church at Corinth when he went there as their founding father. He said, don't get ahead of that. Don't, don't move on beyond that. Don't get ahead of your skis. What does that mean? I had about a five-minute skiing career until I broke a rib. But I know on skis, if you get ahead, what's going to happen? Bang! That's what he's talking about. He's saying, look, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Stay in the center, balanced and grounded. C.S. Lewis, he said when we go in one extreme in life, usually we find ourselves backing up into the other extreme. You follow me? There's something that we say as Christians, we ought to take everything we have and give it all away to God and live on basically nothing. I, I've fought and wrestled and thought about that many, many times. Poverty. The other extreme is I want to take all I can and make all I can, hold on to all I can. So what's the answer? You got to have sort of a grip that's not like this, I'm going to hold it all, or not like a grip like this. There, there's a middle thing there. Paul is saying, stay centered. Stay centered. Stay balanced. Don't get ahead of your skis. And you're not, you're not getting back on your skis. That's what he's saying. And then he goes, and this is, this is something. He gets in the grill of the Corinthians. What does that mean? Playing the sports, you know what it means. You ever watch any sport, you know what that means. You ever see a coach? Somebody will be going in the game or going out of the game, and they grab their face mask, and they get in their grill. That's what that means. And they say, son, on the last play, you didn't follow that, and he just gets into them. 
Or they say, son, man, I believe in you. I'm sending you in for this specific purpose. You, you get there in their grill. Paul gets in the grill of the church. And look what he says. First of all, he has three questions that are simply satirical questions. It's full of satire. For who regards you as superior? <laughs> Why are you such a big shot? He's asking the, each one in the church. He said, what do you have that you did not receive? And he says, if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Folks, does anybody have anything that you did not receive? Well, I worked so hard, I built, I mean, no, you didn't. Grace, the door was open, the choice was made, the decision, and so all of life is grace. Not only our redemption, our salvation, wherever we are in life, it's just by the grace of God. We haven't earned it. We haven't deserved it. Big, little, up or down makes no difference. It's all grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the acrostic. It's a gift. Boy, no need to be proud about anything. It's all grace. He's saying, what do you have that you did not receive? So Paul here, is saying, wherever you are in the, in the spectrum, man, make sure you know it's a gift of God. It's that grace. And then he gets still in their grill. He's saying, you are already filled, and the word there has to do with food. He's saying, you Corinthians, you, you people there in the church, you're already filled. You have already become rich. You become kings without us. Paul said, indeed, I wish you had become kings so that we may also reign with you. See the deep sarcasm to awaken us and to awaken the Corinthians. It's by grace. And then he says, for I thank God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle, hold on to that word, it's a pregnant word, to the world, both to angels and to men. What's he saying? We've become a spectacle. That's who we are as Christians. When the Romans would take over and conquer a country, they would march back to Rome, and they did in other places. And the soldiers would march in unison, and bring up the rear would be all the slaves they had captured, would be all the goods they'd brought back home. So they would march at the front and all the slaves and those who'd been caught and captured and all they had stolen from the conquests they had, they'd be all at the rear of the parade. That's the word spectacle. And Paul says, <laughs> we're at the rear of the parade. We're way, we're way back there. That's who we are as under rowers, as stewards, as those who really have been Useless as far as the world is concerned. And then he says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. You are weak. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. What's he saying? He's saying, folks, as Christians, it's grace of God. There's evenness in the body of Christ, and we're to be fools 
We're not to be prudent. In other words, Paul's saying, lay it out on the line. Be an idiot. Be, be disgraced by the world. He's saying, don't worry about your name and your reputation. Just be a fool for Christ's sake. Sell out. Go all in. And by the way, it's not going to be long before we'll be able to identify true followers of Jesus from those who are not true followers of Jesus. You just mark that down. That's a little bit of prophecy, but you don't have to be a prophet to understand that's where we are. Do you realize today that Christians are the most persecuted group in the world? Last year, over 100,000 Christians were martyred, were killed because they were Christians. Did you know that? Every hour, 11 people are martyred because they're Christians around the world. There are 239 countries, excuse me, 139 countries, about three-fourths of the countries, 139 countries who have in their documents Passages that directly discriminate against Christians. That's three-fourths of the countries of the world, roughly. 139 countries. Discriminate because you're a Christian. By the way, you can add one more country. The United States of America. Amen. Now, Paul then comes gives us a wonderful word of how we are to handle this. First of all, he says in 13, he says, here's who I am. We're slandered. We try to conciliate. We become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even now. He, oh, oh, he's already said when we persecute, Paul's ahead of me. I'm not there. I'll have to confess to you he's ahead of me. I, I want some kind of approval and some kind of recognition. I, I want the glory of God to flow in and through our lives, but Paul's ahead of us. We're not quite there, but we're running there far too, far too rapidly. And then he says in verse 14, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Parents, we're not to shame our children. I told some men this morning I'd like a redo in being a father because sometimes I resorted to shame. Shame, we don't do that in discipline our children. We admonish them, and that is we, we speak quietly as we've counted to a thousand a couple of times. That's admonishment. Quiet voice, measured tones, not shame. And he says, Paul is saying, this is what I'm saying to you in the church. He's trying to explain that everything is by grace. And because he's given us this, we have to hold it in these earthen vessels, our bodies, and to live it out, especially now in this moment in history. Let me, Cliff Barrows, as some of you know, was a very close friend of mine. Cliff directed the music for Billy Graham all those years. He was one of the counselors of Billy Graham Mr. Graham said that of all the people he knew that the two best Christians were his wife, Ruth, and Cliff Barrows. Cliff called me years ago, and he said, I want to tell you what just happened to me. He was in Washington, and he said, 
I was walking to the hotel lobby and said, Wintley Phelps came up to me. Most of them may remember him. He's an African-American singer. He's been here many times. Beautiful voice, pastor in Washington. He said, Wintley came up and said, Cliff, I want to show you something. He said, Wintley took me there in a little side room and sat down at a piano. And he said, you may not know this, but all the spirituals, all the spirituals are written in the pentatonic key. And that means the melody is played only on black notes, all the spirituals. And he said, Whitney played for me on the piano, sweet little Jesus boy, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, all on the pentatonic key, five in these octaves, there are five black notes, only using the black notes to piano. He says, it is called the slave scale. And he said, the story of John Newton is interesting. He said, Newton was a slave trader. He'd been a drunk. After he was a slave trader, he fell drunk overboard into the sea once, and to get him out, they had to gaff him like you would a fish and put him back up. And before that, he'd been a slave trader on those galleys. And John Newton beautifully came to know Jesus Christ. <laughs> a radical change in his life of a life that was as decadent and evil as any life you could imagine. And he said, as he did that, Newton, though he wasn't a musician, kept hearing the cadence that he heard on those slave ships. And he said, those slaves, as they would roll, they had a mmm, 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 a, a melody, music behind it. And he said, Newton couldn't get that music out of his mind. And he said, the music sounded something like, and he picked it out. And he finally came to see what it was. And Whitley said that that was what the slaves had roared to. And he simply put words on it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And you look in a hymnal sometime, and you'll find something very, very interesting. Amazing grace will be listed. It'll say words by John Newton. Melody tune nobody knows I can tell you who wrote the melody it was God it was God Newton just put the words to it to emphasize that all of us are under rowers we're under rowers we're slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the beauty of the body of Christ. That's the reason the church 
as I've said Sunday after Sunday, read there. Second Peter 2, 9. We are a new race. We are a new priesthood under the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is grace. And it is that grace that we contain that we must reveal in our lives and our walk. And that's the way we live in a culture that is broken. God-fearing lives under roars for him. In the middle of life's darkest storm, there's always the quiet promises of God that lie just beyond the turbulence. You can discover how to claim these promises in Dr. Young's book, Living Under the Rainbow. It's our gift to you with your support of the ministry this month. The rainbow is a company reminder of God's promises. Under the rainbow, our lives, families, and careers can become what God designed them to be. In my book, Living Under the Rainbow, you will learn about the key promises God has made to us in His Word, the Bible. And we'll discover how we can claim them in our daily lives. Applying these promises leads not only to daily victory, but puts you and me on the path of a truly life with significance. To get a copy of Living Under the Rainbow for yourself or someone you love, call the number on your screen or go online at winningwalk.org. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Most of us are familiar with this helpful acronym, but what does it really mean? Grace is getting what we don't deserve, but we need. What do we deserve? Judgment, because we've broken the very heart of Almighty God. But we're saved by grace through faith, God's amazing grace. Do you need this kind of transformation in your life, a new life? We want to take some time to share with you about God's free gift of grace. Call the number on your screen. Godly men and women are standing by waiting to take your call and make sure to tune in, by the way, next time as we take another step together on the winning walk with Jesus Christ. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. We hope today's message has encouraged you to build your life on the proven truth of God's Word. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.